Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Thursday, June 2nd. Single-day coronavirus cases in the U.S. hit an all-time high, long-term mortgage rates hit an all-time low, and we're focused on America's jobs market. This morning, we learned that the U.S. economy added 4.8 million jobs last month, a number that soared past economist expectations. We also learned that the unemployment rate fell from 13.3% to 11.1%. Nearly half of the jobs gain, unsurprisingly, was in leisure and hospitality, with retail also getting a big boost. In fact, the only sector to lose any significant number of jobs was mining, and even that was low, just about 10,000. All of this is undoubtedly good news, particularly for the 4.8 million people who began receiving paychecks again. And that's probably why President Trump this morning held an unexpected press conference to take a victory lap, although he didn't actually take questions from the press. That was left to Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow. And the questions they got, or at least most of them, hinted at some of the not-so-good news lurking underneath the surface. The biggest is that the government job surveys ended just before the recent spike in coronavirus cases, which has led several big states to pause or even reverse their economic reopenings. There are also lingering questions about what the next round of economic stimulus would look like or when it would come. For example, what happens to small businesses that got those PPP bailout loans but have been forced to remain closed or maybe a bar in Texas that opened but's closing again? When that money runs out, do they now have to lay people off? The bottom line, jobs reports are supposed to help us better understand the economy. Today, though, it's led to as many questions as answers. In 15 seconds, we will dig in deeper on the jobs picture with The Washington Post's Catherine Rampell. But first, this. We're joined now by The Washington Post's Catherine Rampell. So, Catherine, President Trump theoretically did a press conference today after the jobs report came out. Had he been taking questions? And if you were in the room, what's the question you would have asked? I guess I would have asked, why are you spiking the football when there are still something like 15 million fewer jobs today than there were when the pandemic began? Catherine, you wrote this morning that this current economic crisis for jobs is worse than the Great Recession. Can you explain why? If you chart the decline in jobs from the start of this recession versus the Great Recession, they almost don't fit on the same graph because we just declined so sharply, so fast. We lost so many jobs so quickly. It's just orders of magnitude worse. The unemployment rate today is higher than it was at any point during the Great Recession, at any point basically since the Great Depression still. And beyond that, even though there has been rehiring the last couple of months, which is great, especially for the people who had been laid off, who maybe we were concerned that they weren't going to get their jobs back, even with that hiring, we're still very deep in the hole. That's why I started out by saying I would probably ask the president, why are you celebrating when by all objective measures, we are nowhere close to having recovered? We're not necessarily on a path to a swift recovery, even though we may have brought back some of those recent jobs. 
when you think about this compared to the Great Recession, though, and you think of a possible recovery or the beginnings of recovery, is it more binary than that? In other words, the Great Recession in part occurred because there were structural deficiencies in the economy that just took a while to uh, expose themselves, whereas this was very much an outside exogenous event. Is there an argument to be made that what has to happen right now by policymakers is simply triage, essentially until we get to a vaccine and until then, whether we get 3 million or 4 million or 1 million job ads in a month, it doesn't really much mean anything. You're right that the genesis of the downturn was different this time around versus last time around. The kinds of businesses that went kaput in 2008, say, were maybe ones that had business models that were not viable. And maybe eventually they were going to go out of business. They were over leveraged, for example, that sort of thing. This time around, it was this external shock. The fact that these millions of companies have gone out of business, that all these people have been laid off, doesn't necessarily tell us anything about the viability of what had been the fundamentals of these companies to the recession. If you were a McDonald's franchise and you were a relatively profitable one and you've had to shut down for three months, you know that the fact that they've had to lay people off has nothing to do with the viability of their business model outside of the fact the business model is we have to be able to sell food. Right, exactly. The response in some ways should be different, could be different. I don't think it's as binary as, well, there's either have a vaccine or not have a vaccine. There's no intermediate ground. There's nothing for the government to do. There are still ways that the government could help tide people over until there's a vaccine or until infections go down for other reasons. And they've done some of those things, including through the Paycheck Protection Program, as well as enhanced unemployment benefits and a number of other fiscal measures that way. But in terms of getting the virus under control, I mean, other countries have somehow managed to keep down their infection rates. And one might imagine that their economic recoveries could be better than ours. It's a little bit too early to say. Is your argument then from a policy perspective that the health policy is arguably more important than the fiscal policy? I think they are both important. I think basically the virus is in charge right now, and we are never going to have a healthy economy until we have the virus under control, whether that's through a vaccine, whether it's through some other sort of mitigation measures, including, for example, encouraging more people to wear masks. It seems like other countries have taken that route. So there are things that the government could be doing, including scaling up testing, scaling up tracing, encouraging behavior like mask wearing indoors that we're not sufficiently doing. We also need to be providing fiscal support that lawmakers and the White House need to be getting together and coming up with a plan for more fiscal support, not just to households and businesses, but to states and localities, because I think that's the next time bomb that's essentially going to go off. You mentioned the PPP. By the end of today, often, or possibly by the time people are actually listening to this, Treasury Department and SBA are going to release the list of companies or most companies that got PPP loans, at least if you got over $150,000. It's going to be a massive data dump, unfortunately, for people like me, maybe for people like you. Is there anything in there that you think we can learn from it outside of maybe some kind of dunking on a company that got money and maybe didn't deserve to get it? I want to know how much money has gone to lawmakers, to President Trump, and to other senior executive branch officials or cronies of President Trump. There's a lot of questions about whether this money has been distributed for the benefit of the overall economy and for companies that need it and deserve it, and to what extent it's gone to those who were just most connected. I'm not saying that we should not have done this program. I think it was absolutely necessary to provide some sort of lifeline to lots of businesses, but there has to be accountability built into this program as well. And it's very troubling that up until this point, President Trump would not rule out the idea that he could personally benefit. 
The extended unemployment benefits are set right now to expire at the end of July. There's already talk that they could be extended, maybe not. There is obviously an argument, mostly a Republican argument, that this money, uh, specifically this extra $600 a week that certain people qualify for, is artificially keeping people out of the workforce because they can make more money by not working than by working. Fair argument, not fair argument. I understand where the concern is coming from. If you're able to make more money not working than working, then maybe that's going to give you pause about returning to work if you have a job offer. In theory, you're not supposed to be able to continue qualifying for those benefits if you turn down a job in that situation. If you know what your income would normally be, you might not apply for that job knowing that you wouldn't be able to make the money. I think it's reasonable to be concerned about incentives. However, there are a lot of numbers that we could come up with between $0 and $600, right? $0 is the additional amount that these unemployed people will be getting if this enhanced benefit program expires as scheduled at the end of this month. They still need some assistance. You may not want to set that additional assistance at $600 because for some large enough portion of people, they would be making too much money. But I don't think you should let the enhanced benefit expire entirely. There are a lot of numbers, presumably both parties could come to agree upon that would provide households the lifeline that they need. And of course, the economy, the cash infusion that it needs because you need consumers still spending. (laughs) You need not just businesses, you need consumers still spending because if they stop spending, we're never going to get out of this funk. Catherine, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. What we're watching today is fireworks. Or if you live in a place like New York City, you've probably been hearing them for the past couple of weeks. So the American Pyrotechnics Association says that some of its members have seen sales increase this year upwards of 300%. In fact, we tried to get the CEO of a major fireworks wholesaler for the show today, but were apologetically told that he was too busy working the forklift because of the unprecedented volume. So what's happening here? Well, the best guess is that people are just not willing to let the July 4th holiday pass without a Technicolor sky. And since big organized fireworks displays in places like Boston have been canceled, people are taking matters into their own hands. Oh, and if you live in New York, you're not imagining things. City officials say there have been over 10,000 fireworks complaints so far this year compared to just 50 in the first half of 2019. Today, we're also watching the FBI, which finally filed charges today against Jeffrey Epstein associate Ghislaine Maxwell for allegedly conspiring with Epstein to sexually abuse girls as young as 14 years old. Here's Audrey Strauss, acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, in announcing the charges. This case against Ghislaine Maxwell is the prequel to the earlier case that we brought against Jeffrey Epstein. Expect that lots of other Epstein associates, including some big name business people, might be sleeping a bit less soundly tonight, particularly if Maxwell strikes a deal. And finally, last week we had Dr. Zeke Emanuel on the show to discuss coronavirus vaccines. And I wanted to let you know that he just posted something called the COVID-19 Risk Index. It's basically a handy infographic showing the viral risks of different activities you may want to do over the long weekend. For example, an outdoor picnic is pretty safe. It's marked green. Going to that planned vanilla ice concert in Texas, well, that would be pretty dangerous. That would be red. Check it out at EzekielEmanuel.com or I also tweeted it out at Dan Primack. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great holiday weekend and we'll be back Monday with another Axios Recap.